0: I didn't teach the same subject, and I was like this young thing. Yeah, and she taught me stuff about how to teach and how to be here. Mm. So I had when I started teaching, I like there were this these group this was a group of women. Joe was one of them. <laughs> they were like, "This is how you are," yeah. and so it was like that's what it was. And so your mom, I mean, she was like this force of nature. Mm-hmm. I loved her. I feared her. <laughs> One of the best compliments she ever gave me was, that's the outfit I want to see you in. Like it was, to- <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? And I just, she was this woman that had this style yeah. and this, and just, she demanded this presence or, and demanded respect. Honestly, I'm strong because of her.
1: And welcome to, I swear on my mother's grave, a show about the loss of our complicated mothers and not just in death. But really, really it's a show about me and you. It's about the living, the one left, the one who is trying to move through her issues, her guilt, her shame, her sadness, her messy, complicated feelings. I'm on a journey to forgive my mom, but really to forgive myself and how I treated her during her lifetime and especially towards the end of her life when she was really sick, mentally and physically. With this podcast, I have been on a journey to find more love for my mom, and what better place to find it than back in the high school classroom that she loved, ruled, and taught in for 20 years. My mom taught at Glenbard North High School in Carroll Stream, about 15 minutes from where I grew up. I went to a different school district in high school entirely, but I would visit her at this high school during my elementary and middle school days. I only usually went with her when I had a day off from my own school or a half day. And to be honest, the memories are foggy. But what's not foggy at all is the smell and the look of her hallway and her classrooms. The color of the tiled walls, the wooden cement brass lab tables and countertops, the skeletons on the walls and displays of beakers, and the yellow eye-washing station right up front. The little desks just barely big enough for high school bodies, let alone adult bodies, to sit in the charts of human organs and test tubes high up on shelves i am not lying to you when i say that i can remember the smell and the look of her classroom like it was yesterday and so that's what i saw again when i walked into her former biology classroom this summer my mom stopped teaching at the school in 1996 1996 and this room looked almost identical it was like walking onto a movie set of her life it was intense I'd been warned by the director of operations there, Eric, about how the room might feel like a time warp, but oh my goodness, he was not wrong. When I asked Eric if I could do an interview inside my mom's old classroom, he said, sure, yeah, let me ask the district. And then he said, sure, sure. So I talked with one of our other assistant principals, Deb Cartwright, and asked her if she knew your mom since she's been here longer than me. And Deb said that she knew your mom quite well and that there were a few people that took her under her wing when she started and your mom was one of them. Deb said that she'd be happy to talk with you as well if it worked out. And well, it worked out. And Deb joined me on a Saturday morning to sit among the classroom desks and chat about my mom, Joe Black. Deb is the voice you heard at the top of this episode. I also brought along my friend Mandy Walsh from Chicago, who was a student of my mom's back in the day and who also lost her mom. In this episode, you will hear us seeing my mom's classroom again for the first time in over 30 years and then sitting down next to the eye-washing station and the wooden lab tables to talk about my mom's prowess and fashion sense. We're going to talk about burnout and identity in your career as a mother and a woman, whether or not my mom drank her own urine, cancer scares, biology, and how my mom made science sexy. This is... Mandy Walsh, Deb Cartwright, and I inside Glombard North High School. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> okay, deep breaths. <laughs> this looks the
2: same. Oh my god. Oh this is my god. It's it's like a time capsule in a room.
1: Literally feels like I'm in a museum. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god.
2: Yeah. Look at
1: this. I mean, the wood. The is wood. Is so old. Oh my the god. The
2: pegboard.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay, I might, I might cry. <laughs> I might cry. <sighs> Look at this. Look at these. Like the benches are the same. The stools are mm-hmm. the same. What is coming up for you, sitting in your classroom? And tell us the years you went here.
2: So I was a freshman here at Lombard in the fall of 89, honors biology, freshman year. It was my first honors class. And I do remember that morning walking up to this classroom, petrified. I mean, I was a petrified little freshman anyway, because, you know, you hear rumors of like, they're going to throw pennies at you. They're going to bully you. And I was like, oh God. And walking up to this classroom and yeah, it it was like my first honors class of the day and seeing your mom and just like, fashion goddess that she was with the the amazing hair with the wings and like awesome makeup and like super cool outfit and accessories. And I was like, oh, she's making science sexy. (laughs) (laughs) But I was a little- flies never looked
1: so hot. Yeah, like chromosomes, you're like, ooh, what's going on here? Yeah.
2: But I was also a little intimidated by her because, I mean, she had this presence about her. But then she started teaching. I was like, this is awesome. She's so cool. I had an interest in biology anyway. And she just kind of solidified that. And I honestly, I thought every science class was going to be as cool as her science class. And then sophomore year, I was like horribly disappointed. I got to chemistry and I'm like, so where's the awesomeness that Mrs. Black? (laughs) not
1: here you only had her for one year
2: yeah freshman year and it was cool I mean we dissected everything like earthworms starfish frogs we didn't do the fetal pig her other section did that but then we did the fruit fly experiment Mm -hmm. for genetics which was amazing but she made me want to be a better student for sure you wanted to impress her (laughs) yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: you're like, I hope she likes me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tell everybody who you are.
0: So I'm Deb Cartwright. I'm an assistant principal at Glenbard North here, and um, I, I've basically spent most of my career here. I started here in 91. I taught before that, and this is my last year. But when I started, I was this young thing, and Joe Black was my mentor and my person, that just took me under her wing and there were there there was this group of ladies and they really didn't hang out or know each other but they were these strong women that taught me how to be and I didn't know that I needed those lessons but she's why like I'm a little badass I'm not gonna lie but she's she's the reason that I'm not scared to have conversations with people is that what you mean by badass? What yeah. do you mean by that? That you can, you talk, can, to anybody, you can student, talk to anybody, students, Anybody about anything, and you can do it in a way that you don't have to be confrontational or mean or anything. You're just having a, converse, a mature, professional conversation. Right. Joe taught me that. She taught me about relationships, that we have to support each other. We're not there to, like... Gripe at each other. We're we're supposed to be there for each other, helping the kids, because that's our focus and our goal. Those are the things she taught me. It wasn't about being a teacher. Like I knew that. Mm -hmm. I had that down. I was really good at it. But she she just taught me how to exist here in this learning community. And that that was that was hugely important. And she and she was. There was a part of her that was a little bit frightening. I also knew that I could ask her any question. Any question. And she wouldn't make me feel bad about it. She wouldn't make me feel embarrassed. Like I could ask her I could ask her a question. I talk
1: about that a lot on the show. Like when I was a kid, I would I've never felt nervous to say I'm having sex. I I had an abortion when I was really young. And I've talked about that on the show, that I went right to my mom. Yeah. To say, I'm pregnant, I'm scared. she's like, here's what we're gonna do. Here's the deal. Here are the facts. Here's how you're gonna feel. And you'll be back at work in two days Mm -hmm. (laughs) as my dad is freaking out. And my mom was so literal and just like calm. And I I didn't I didn't feel any shame ever going to her with anything. Yeah, mainly because of biology.
0: Yeah, I don't know that I learned that directly from Joe, but I'm that kind of person as well with my kids. And yeah, I you raise your kids to say,
1: come to me for anything.
0: There's nothing that you can tell me. Like I I would say to my kids, there's nothing that you can tell me. And I still say this that will surprise shock. Anything with me. I'm not going to love you less because of it. My job is to come up along beside you and support you. And yes, am I really good at like fixing things? Absolutely. No, your mom, she was terrific. I remember the fashion like you were talking about. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> because I was a young poor teacher, I could never touch or even get close to the lines that she wore, I knew what they were. I knew what they were, yeah. But I, I could, I couldn't even touch that. And um, the Donna Karens, the who knows, her oh. Anne, she had Donna Karen, D K N Y, yeah, yeah. She had it all. D K N Y is Donna Karen. Yeah, and, and Saint John. Oh, I yeah. remember the Saint John Nets. Yep. I remember, and I was, I, I, would look at him like, that's Saint John, and she, she'd look at me and just go, yes, <laughs> yes, it is. And I, I and I, I just. Oh, and she would say, you would look great in something like this. I'm like, I can't afford this, Joe. I cannot afford this. And she'd look at me and say, you can. But I still never owned one. Yeah, she was awesome. She was just this awesome human being.
1: Yeah. yeah I was going through some old papers, and I found a lot of stuff, like my mom's old, her own st- stages of mitosis. These are like, what, are they, what do you call these? Transparencies you put up oh, yeah. for notes yeah the overhead projector so all the stuff about cells and mitosis mm-hmm. and her drawings of fruit flies and
0: and it's she, all still true yeah this is all yeah it's this doesn't change
1: and then some of the papers she's graded and some of her carbohydrates like materials and chemistry materials and then I found a lot of letters of, like, recommendation from other high schools before she got here or from the district saying you should hire her because she was coming from Milwaukee. She'd also taught in Chicago Heights. And there was this one from Des Moines that she taught in, I think, college in 71. And this evaluation says that she's incredible with enthusiasm, her sense of humor, her punctuality, her personal appearance, her planning her ability to overcome unexpected adversity, ability to relate to high school people, mm-hmm. her firm, fair, and friendly approach yep. as a teacher. And the only two suggestions it said, it said suggestions, not criticism for my mom, said voice. There are times when one can gain more attention by speaking softly <laughs> as opposed to trying to carry the entire room and losing inflection, which is like, maybe she was too loud. Okay. And then the second was teaching is not telling. Teaching is selling. Biology is absolutely exciting. It's not a matter-of-fact course or presentation. This material is so exciting and important that you should convey the impression that you hurried to school and missed breakfast just so you could explain, which is interesting because I missed breakfast today to get here. Yeah. Okay. That gives me creeps. I have chills. I have chills. So you could explain this specific information to these students. You're so excited to get there. So those are the two things that they said, even though the whole letter is, you're incredible, you're incredible. But Think of this. Yeah. Deb, what do, you, what do you take from that? What does that make you think of my mom?
0: Yes, Joe black was loud i <laughs> uh, she was loud i but and I say that again, not as a criticism, because yeah. I am loud, yeah. so have a strong voice, yeah. strong voice, and just you're and and yes, there are probably times where if you like and I will say that and this was probably this was probably true of Joe too. When you talk quieter, it almost makes people kind of. You lean in. While well, you lean in, and people get a little. I, when I start to get quiet, people are almost afraid. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? They're like, ooh, it's what's devil. what's hey, Is everything yeah. okay? Is every you know? I think being loud, and I can understand this, it's enthusiasm. Mm. So Joe was enthusiastic about what she was teaching. Joe had a passion. She had, she had a passion for teaching. She had a passion for you because she would tell me stories about you. She was passionate. And if that's the only criticism, that's, that's, <laughs> almost, that's like a criticism of being too passionate, too caring about something where... Or in 71, she was told
1: this, and then by the time you met her and the, by the time her journey went, she was so enthusiastic that maybe she read this yeah. because she was such a planner and was organized, she thought... I'm going to take this, I'm going to apply it. I'm going to be, once I get into the classroom in, in 75, 76, 78, 70, I will be so excited to be there. Maybe she was more formal yeah. at the top. And that now she created these games. You know, she did this Jungle Jeopardy board games and yeah. trivia, and she was really excited to teach.
0: Well, and that's, that, that is, I, and I would say this, I taught for 16 years beca- before becoming an administrator, which is different. Yeah, People mm-hmm. don't usually do that. And I still love teaching. And I still, one of the things that I apply, and this mm-hmm. is true, is that, yes, teaching is not telling. So if you're sitting and getting, if you're just sitting and getting, you're not learning. I always tell people, the person that's doing the talking is doing the learning. So yeah. when you can get students also excited about what they're doing, right? And your mom had a lot of ways of doing yeah. that because they were, do, you know, when you were a student, you were doing the biology. Yeah. That's when you're truly learning.
1: Let's talk about your
0: Yeah. There's
1: a folklore that my mom drank her own urine. This is the transition, are we ready for it?
2: I'm ready for the urine, yeah. I saw it. I remember that day, I remember that day. And I feel like it kind of rippled through the school. It was like, this is the day that Mrs. Black drank her urine. Because I think she did it for every section of her class. But I feel like, because I had her, I think it was third period. So it was like earlier in the day, but yeah, she was just like, if you need to survive, you can drink your own urine. And she had, and it was, it was a clear plastic. So it was clearly yellow in color and she just downed it. And nobody knew what to make of it in the classroom. Cause it was like, is that, is that real? Did she just really, was it apple juice? Right, right. And, and we, we, Everybody respected her because she didn't do it like week one, week two. This was like further into the semester. Yeah. She has to gain your trust exactly. before she drinks I her can own imagine urine. Imagine if
0: that was week one.
2: Yeah, day <laughs> one. Day one. <laughs> day one. Well, you're a freshman. Yeah, you're yeah. a freshman. You're. It was this woman telling me I can drink my own urine, and she just did it. And then I feel like we just moved on in the class. Or maybe we talked about, like, the kidneys, maybe, and, like, the filtration Mm -hmm. of the body. But, yeah, it was like we all loved her. We all adored her at that point. But she did this thing (laughs) that was like, I don't know what to make of that. Because you don't want to think it's disgusting.
0: No. Because it's Joe Black. Yeah. So it's not disgusting. She's a laser. Yeah, while well, she's yeah, doing yeah, it. She... And earrings on. I never saw it, but I can't remember. And as as I was driving here today, I'm like, I'm pretty sure Joe Black drank her urine. <laughs> and or am I mixing? Or did I did yeah, I dream that? Here, that's, yeah, on yeah. the way here, I'm like, I'm pretty sure. And then you have these memories that you, you, you put mm-hmm. together. And then I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure it was Joe. But that doesn't seem like something Joe would do. But then I remember like, her telling me, like, about, or maybe I came up to her and said, because you talk about the ripples through the school, yeah. and going, Joe, did you really did you drink your urine today? She's like, yeah, I do it every year. I, it, was, it was something, like, I do, I do it every year. I'm like, why, you know? Because <laughs> I remember having a conversation with her about why would you do that? And she's like, well, you, if you need to survive. So she's proving that point yeah, and your kidneys are this great filtration yeah, system. Okay. So you explaining this, I'm telling you, she explained the same thing to me. And I, I will say, I have thought of that over the years. Not that I've been in a situation where I need to survive, but if I needed to survive, would I drink my urine? Mm-hmm.
2: And it's I, it's in there. I'd absolutely do it. Yeah. Well, and then like all of these survival shows came out, like Bear Grylls and Alone, and like you see people doing that, and I'd be sitting there with my husband and be like, yeah. My freshman biology teacher totally drank her own urine. Yeah. I knew that. And he's like, no. I'm like, yeah. yeah.
0: I wonder if she knows or realized the impact she had on people. Like, the thing you remember from high school is that your biology teacher drank urine. Mm. And, and nobody felt, again, nobody was disgusted by that because of the kind of person she was. I mean,
1: I'm not going to, we're not going to take a turn yet. But yeah. I don't, I actually think she did know. I think I think some of the sadness of my mom's life is part of her is knowing that like she had this identity and she was loved by so many people. And there's letters in this, letters right here on this desk from students that she kept. And she won the Illinois Math and Science Award at least three times. She was nominated. People sent letters to the principal here to say like, we love Joe Black. So I think as my mom pulled away from teaching and then was just a CEO's wife and then dealt with some of her own, pain and sadness, and her body started to deteriorate, which I also want to talk about in terms of biology and DNA. Like, my mom's body failed her, and she taught about the human body. And yeah, I didn't, I, yeah, I thought we were going to have fun. Uh, We were going to have fun. But I was, I'm going to, we're going to get there. But I think my mom did know, but it was hard for her. She talked about it a lot. She'd be like, I was so loved. I was so good at what I did. Mm-hmm. People still remember, you know, kind of trying to buff up her own identity and reminding even me or my dad or her mom, like mm-hmm. I was legend in this classroom yes, that we're sitting yeah. in. And I, I don't know, I've, and so I'm chasing, like I knew that she was great, but I didn't go through her papers. I don't sit here and go through all her, but I've had to sit with these and really remind myself, mm-hmm. you were incredible. Yes, you were sick. Yes, you dealt with mental health and addiction, but you were, mm-hmm. Unreal, yeah. and I. Th- but I think losing this job is. She made the choice, which I also want to talk about. When you get mm-hmm. burnout as right. a teacher, she didn't want to be resentful of teaching. Right. But she also was scared. If I leave this, who am I?
0: I and I think that is that is honestly something that is women, right? Yeah. Our identity is so who we are and who we are to other people. Yeah. So important to us, right? So I think we're always walking through these thresholds. In life almost these identity thresholds and as you go through this change or whatever in your life you have different roles the role that your mom had with you the role that she had with her students with her colleagues like all of that stuff it's then finding that when that changes Mm -hmm. now who am i now
1: and she probably thought when she was here she wasn't being a good mom yes or i'm not with my daughter enough so she quit to be with me my senior year of high school, even though my dad's like, I think she was too involved. She she was too, she was trying to be with you so much because she was about to lose you for college, right? Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Like, do you feel that burnout sometimes happen or going, if I'm not really in the zone of being a principal, like if I'm wanting to be elsewhere, then
0: (laughs) I shouldn't keep this job? Oh yeah, absolutely. So I have three kids. I have a son that is 27. A daughter who's 25 and then another one who another daughter who's 21. Wow. So yeah I was like let's go um (laughs) yeah it was was fun. Do they go here? No they didn't and when they were little they wanted to they wanted to and then when they were in high school and they went to Wheaton Warrenville South okay right where I went yep yep they they went to Wheaton Warrenville South and it was always they were happy to go to Wheaton Warrenville South because Mm -hmm. then I was here as like the assistant principal. And they still complain that they would like, yeah, they would like there to be a little bit more mom and less assistant principal. Oh, and, and now I'm actually they say that they've said that to me. Yeah, they've they said that to me recently. They, and, I, and now I, at my age of 56, I, what I've said to my kids is, look, you grew up in this house. You know how I am. If you think I'm going to change the way I'm saying things and doing things, mm-hmm. I'm very sorry. It's not going to happen for you. Or for me, I think we're all going to have to get by it. Know that I love you. Know that I care about you. Know that you're the most important thing. That's it. When I was, when I was here, and I actually took a few years off. I call them the breeding years to have my kids. And like to, they were younger, like to be with them and do things. And I, I love them to death. There's nothing that I love more, but I couldn't closer wait. Closer to the mic. Closer yeah, to the mic. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I really love them. They're the most. But I couldn't wait to get back. Into teaching. Really? Yeah, because that was that was such a part of my identity, so I understand how that relates with your mom, mm-hmm. That's so much of who you are, and it always has been, because I was a teacher before I had them. Yep. I'm a teacher after they've all... I'm still here, and as I face retirement personally, I kind of, I'm, like, wondering, ooh, now who am I? Yep. Because I'm also not... They're my, because they're old, I'm not... They're out of the house. Mostly. One's not. But... They're on their own out of the house, and they don't need me for as much. This place right. doesn't need me. Like I can see where your mom and mm-hmm. what does that then do to how you perceive things and find yourself. So I like that's a real that. So I can understand that that's a real realistic thing that's happening in my head right now. Whether it's teaching or anything, I think as females we go through this where we're just. Walking through, okay, now this is different, and now this is different, and then it's finding who you are as you cross through that other threshold. And that's not easy.
1: That is not done. Still have I don't have kids. Mandy doesn't have kids, but I'm still going through my own transition of what's my career, what's my life, where am I going to live? Am I moving away from Chicago? I just got married, so it's the same. And I know my mom. I know that she was trying to be a good mom by wanting to spend time with me. I don't know. Did your mom ever struggle with that stuff, with
2: identity and quitting? Um, she, I don't think, she was an administrative assistant. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if that was her passion. No, I know it wasn't her passion, but she grew up in Chicago. She went to Catholic school. She went to a vocational high school, which mm-hmm. taught her to be basically a secretary. So, like that wasn't her calling but she did pride herself on that on her job mm-hmm. a lot she worked for Pfizer Pharmaceuticals for a while and retired with with them and she was very proud of her job there i think heading into retirement was a little easier for her cuz it wasn't it wasn't what got her up in the morning you know that job paid the bills that Mm -hmm. was you know what put food on the table and you know me through school and so it it wasn't quite the same but I will say she um my grandmother lived with us she moved in with us when I was in like sixth grade Mm -hmm. until she died in her 90s she lived with my mom Mm -hmm. so my mom was her caretaker and when my grandmother died there was that kind of now what. And unfortunately, my mom didn't really get a chance to figure that out because she was diagnosed with cancer. And then she died like within a year of my grandmother passing. So like, but I think that's, you know, her, her thing was more like I was out of the house. My grandmother was the thing that drove her. And then that was gone. So, yeah, I mean, yes, but it wasn't a career thing. Yeah. As much.
0: Well, and you know, it's, it, you know, both of you are sharing about it. My mom passed away a few years ago too, and it, not at a young age. She was 84 years old, right? But you guys had, it sounds like good relationships with your mom. Mine was not great. Yeah. yeah ours were tricky too. Well, yeah. mine, mine yeah. wasn't tricky. Mine was actually like, not good. I don't think we liked each other. Yeah. But I'll tell you, I went after that happened, I had to do, I had to go to therapy. I'd never done that. And I realized that and I think this is again a real important thing for women. You don't want to say, okay, I've got to be vulnerable, but I had to be vulnerable enough to allow someone to help me, and because I needed it, because I was like, okay, I can't hold this together. Like I, something is wrong. I'm always really great at holding things together. This is not working for me, and it was probably the best thing. When did it, you realize that? What hap- Was there a moment that that happened for you? Uh, I was crying in the middle of my kitchen, and I couldn't stop. You know what I mean? I was just letting, I was letting it out, and. Uh, I'm like, I can't, I, I can't do this. I can't do my job. I can't do my mother thing, my daughter thing. I, I didn't like doing it. Now it's gone. And I was her caretaker too. I'm like, what sort of <laughs> fresh hell is this? You know, I have to, you know, not. Yeah. Um, Did you feel obligated
1: to do it even though you didn't get well, along? Yeah, no, she's my mom. I know, but just the that phrase. Guys, you
0: still have to. You don't, but right? a lot of people don't I know, that. I yeah. just, you, like, that's your mom. Yeah. Like, you, that's your mom. So there was no way I was going to not do it, but there were boundaries that I, I was like, I can't. There are some things I cannot do yeah. that we're going to have to pay people to do, but I, I always arrange that, and um, there is something about your mom moving on that changes you yeah. as a woman. I don't know whether it's good or bad. Again, it's just one of those walk through mm-hmm. that threshold mm-hmm. of now I'm different, right? Yeah. Did
1: she change in those last... Moments, like months together, it feels cheesy to say. Like you guys must have had a a a moving experience where you got closer together in those last months. But we know that doesn't always happen. No,
0: no, no, no. No, It was. It was not like I. I always in my life with her. I felt like the reason she had me was to do things for her. Mm -hmm. That's what I. I always. I. I thought that was my role. Mm -hmm. Is I'm the one that does these things. For, for all for always. Yeah. And it wasn't I, as far as taking care of her, I thought I was taking care of her from the time I was 13. Like it wasn't yeah. that wasn't anything.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, but it it, it is. Um, yeah, I don't I we did not have a moment where the, there was like the sudden tenderness or anything like that. It was just like, okay, here's and I was, unfortunately, she had a stroke. It was not something she was going to really come back from. I knew the life that she wanted. I'm like, okay, I got to respect that. And she had a living will, and I'm like, we're going to do end of life. And and that that was hard. I still think about that. I still have, I'll have some feelings that go around that as well, where I'm like, ah, sh-, you know, did I do the right thing? But I did. And like, I don't know. And you can't go back and change. It. I can't go back yeah, and change. It doesn't matter. Yeah.
1: Like, should I go live with my mom and give up my whole life and be her care? No. No. And I don't regret it. But it, you go, other people would have said, well, that's, that's my mom. That's my mom. And I got to go, I got to go live in her house. And. Give up everything and yeah. care for her or bring her into my home. And I just knew, we've talked about You're this, Mandy and I yeah. have, and is that really yeah. what I wanted to do? No, I'll find you someone. And you'll love her. Hey, and she did. She yeah. doesn't want me in there all the time. She wants a person she doesn't know. Yeah. I have a question. Can I, can I ask a
2: question? <laughs> <laughs> Are, you? Do you have siblings? Yes. Okay.
0: So, friend. yeah, two older siblings, two boys. Okay. Um, ah. Did they do anything? No. And I will say that in the microphone. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> they did not help out. No. I mean, I, Grant, they lived out of state, but at the same time, both retired, mm-hmm. okay, could have done more yeah. when, mm-hmm. I would, when I would say, hey, this is what I need help with. They would say, well, you know what you should do. And I'd be like, okay. I no, Don't tell me what to do. I asked you for help with the thing I'm Yeah, playing. and here's the thing. Yeah. Guess what? You know, like, shut up. So, mm-hmm. um, and it, like, it's just not going to work. Yeah. But, and then I, then at some point there's this no, I, uh, I get it. Like, this is, this is where I am. And there's this acceptance. Do I look back? Could I have been kinder? Could I have been nicer in certain things? Yes. But again, that's not the relationship that we had. And then I would think, you know, I always knew at some point, she's not going to be around forever. What, what will I feel like when she's gone? And so I think about that. And Then I was surprised at the feelings that I had. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that my therapist even said was, um, you know, sometimes it's hard, like when you have a strained relationship with someone, losing them is harder than if you had this warm and fuzzy accepting relationship. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah. And then I think about that, there's, there's parts of me with my kids where they like me and they do... Want to be around me? They seek me out, which I'm very thankful for. And you don't just make them do things for you. No. So that line of trauma
1: no. is not. No,
0: that's yeah. not. Conti- I, I would never yeah. do that. I would never do that. But yeah, I do expect them to listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say. <laughs> there you. Yeah. I know. I'm like, and now it's kind of like I know some things. If you like my advice and you want <laughs> right. to ask for it, that's right. great. You're. It's not gonna right. come, you know, sweetly to you. But it's. This is how it's gonna come. And so. That didn't keep going, so we do. I do have good relationships with my kids. At the same time, they, I, there's that healthy respect. Mm-hmm. They know that I'm the mom, mm-hmm. and we're we're probably not we're not going to be friends. Do we enjoy being around each other? Yes. So like that, I feel is like this hurdle. Yes. That I was able to accomplish after having the relationship I did with mm-hmm. my mom. Yeah. Where it was this hurdle that I could get through with my kids, and I have to run. Oh. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. It Any was... last
1: thoughts on Joe before you. Go. Oh, just So, what oh, let's just say when you walked in here a couple Shirley Joe, you said you I was I had oh, my yeah, back you to look, you. Yeah. I had my back to you. I and exactly. I turned and you said, yeah. "Oh my god,
0: Yeah, you look like your mom." You look like your mom. You're your mom.
1: I mean, this is fake. This yellow. This, yeah, this that's hair. Okay. So this is hair mine. is fake, but So is mine. So I do look like no, her more now, No. You,
0: but... you you look like your you are your mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You are your mom. And I think that's that's a huge It is. I just I like She was so dear to me and so a lot of things and so Yeah just good to know. Yeah, take that, you know, that's it. It said in here it said there was
1: a note that said your mom is like a true friend to everyone and I you know not it's not a humble brag, it's a full brag. I that I really I get a lot of people who tell me you make me feel like you're my friend quickly. Like we are you respect me, you listen to me, you hear me, and I was like, I get that from my mom and and anyway, just finding that again was like, oh, I guess
0: that's kind of like something she did, yeah, <laughs> you know? That's so the, uh, that's the truth. Yeah, I think she made people feel valuable, and that's you know, they're like truly valuable. And that's that's amazing to be, to have that, letting people know that they matter. Yeah, yeah, that's what I remember about her, and that she just again, she was smart and pretty and mm-hmm. and stylish and uh, oh, she was ah, oh yeah. <laughs> You're the best. Thanks for being here. It was so it was so great to great to meet everybody. Um, But really, you know, awesome and love Panthers.
2: Yeah, right. Uh Go Panthers.
0: Yeah,
1: Deb had to go about thirty minutes into our conversation, but I was so grateful for the time that she could give us on an early Saturday morning. We hugged and said goodbye, and then Mandy and I sat back down in our little classroom seats and kept talking. I asked Mandy about her cancer scare and recovery from ovarian cancer and a full hysterectomy that she had during a global pandemic, all without her mom by her side. I realized that after I listened back to this conversation, I never mentioned in the room the fact that my mom also had a full hysterectomy. My mom never really told me why, but I always assumed it was because she wasn't having any more kids and she just wanted it gone. But I don't know the real answer. The irony was not lost on me that we were sitting in a biology classroom, Mandy's high school classroom, talking about cancer, our bodies changing, our dead moms, and overcoming the fear that comes along with all of it, and living to tell the tale. So friend,
2: Mm.
1: now that you're sitting here with just me, we talked about how you feel being in the room after many years, but I don't know how you're feeling after you've gotten over cancer during a global pandemic, (laughs) you're feeling better, you're healthier, but you know, you did all of that without your mom.
2: And I wanna talk to you about that on the mic in this classroom. Oh, wow. Yeah, I am feeling good. In April of 2021, I had a total hysterectomy. It was a radical hysterectomy. It was not laparoscopic. They had to, I have like a 12 inch scar on my abdomen. I had stage one ovarian cancer and even that, is weird to say because I'm extraordinarily lucky and that I didn't have to have any treatment afterwards. It is astounding that I didn't have to have treatment because uh, <laughs> I have pictures somewhere on my phone that my surgeon sent of me on the table. You don't see my face, but you see my uterus and an ovary, which are the size of basketballs. They were enormous. Both I both just... Were- both, yeah. Yeah, they're huge. I mean, they're just two lumps. And everybody's like, well, what's that? And what's that? I'm like, I don't know which one's which. The human body is nightmarishly elastic, to quote, I think it was Pat Oswald who said that. Yeah. And you I know right
1: now Joe Black would want to see those photos. So- would want to talk about, you know what I mean? Like, my mom would always be like, let's talk about the ovaries, let's talk about the... She would look at plants, remember? And she'd say, this is the biology of the plants. Yeah, she would want to see all of that and be really interested and respectful, but would want to talk about it.
2: 100%. Yeah, I think she and my surgeon would get along really well. (laughs) Dr. Stephanie Munns, shout out to her. She's She's amazing. amazing. She's like, you're going to want these photos. I'm texting them to you right now. And this was like the day after my surgery where I'm like, no... But yeah, I, uh, yeah, and you know, it was like the pandemic hit and everybody ate, so I put on some weight and I'm in my mid to late 40s, so things are changing. And so any differences in my period was like, well, I'm in, I'm 46, like it's fine. And then I started to get uncomfortable and I was like, maybe it's my gallbladder. (laughs) And I went to my primary care physician and she was like, I'm going to get you a CT scan. And like two weeks later, I was having the surgery. It was that fast. And because they were so big, I really thought I need to start giving my stuff away. I really did. I thought this was it. I remember going for a follow-up appointment and sitting in the room. And I hear my surgeon, she's on the phone with somebody. She's clearly talking about a patient and she comes in she's like did you hear that I'm like well yeah but I didn't listen because I'm not an asshole <laughs> I'm not gonna you just drop on your phone call she's like that was a Cleveland clinic we got your stuff back it was stage one you're fine we don't have to do chemo we don't have to do radiation and I just burst into tears in the room and it was really the next several weeks were they were just, my recovery was really hard. Like, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, I was really uncomfortable, and it was really emotional. And, of course, you know, part of that is because, you know, my hormones were super jacked, and I'm on a hormone patch now that, you know, tempers a lot of that. But, like, just bursting into tears of just, I can't believe how lucky I am. I can't believe this bullet that I dodged.
1: Gratitude can be so... Emotional, just like sorrow, right? Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. and Corey Pasco like put together a GoFundMe, so I didn't have to worry about bills and like food train, which you were amazing and brought stuff and like you know just the outreach of people and finding out how much people care, it's super overwhelming and beautiful. And I was like, I gotta pay this forward. I don't know how to pay it forward, but I'm gonna figure it out. I remember being in the hospital, you know, and that was weird. It was before Delta really hit. So I was lucky in that Chris, my husband, was able to come and sit with me for like six hours, which is not enough. I don't know if you've ever been in a hospital, but it's, it's better than none. None. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I couldn't get out of there fast enough, but I was just like, I kept thinking about my mom and like how she would have handled all of this. And I don't think she would have handled it well, Dana. <laughs> no, no. What do you mean? I think she would have f- freaked out.
1: The COVID stuff or or the diagnosis? I mean, she had her own diagnosis that went really fast. So that's interesting. Yeah. But
2: I think all of it. All of it. I don't think she would have handled COVID well. She didn't, she, <laughs> it's so funny because I wanted to ask Deb, and I've asked this to you too, like now that, now that my mom is gone, I have, been able to more objectively look at my relationship with her and really be able to see it for what it was, all of her strengths, but all of her weaknesses as well. And, like, my mom wasn't really, she, she was not shy about making it known when, she, when I hadn't seen her in a while. So I cannot imagine that COVID would have gone well. Yes, Um guilt.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, and even Deb saying how amazing my mom was, but also scary, uh, my mom could be really nasty. She mm-hmm. could spin, and again, some of that is from addiction later, but like, sure, she was firm and funny and all those, but you're like, but she could also cut and then make me feel, why would I want to come visit you if you're so, always so angry when I'm not here and then when I show up, that this guilt of not visiting you enough, right? Mm-hmm. Or Or just the, yeah, so I agree, like, we've talked about this a little, mm-hmm. but... But, but objectively being able to say, but she was awesome and awesome and awesome over here. Because mm-hmm. I don't think putting anybody on a pedestal is doing anybody a favor. So she was a real human being with like all these flaws. And yeah, being able to see your mom as that is important. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. COVID wouldn't have handled it well. Me being in the hospital. She would have wanted to go
1: out. You mean she'd be like, I'm going to the store. I'm getting on an airplane and <laughs> in the okay. early days. I'm Or what do you mean?
2: No, I think she would have been okay because, I mean, she before she had the lung cancer diagnosis, she had pulmonary fibrosis, so she struggled. You know, like she was immunocompromised, so she got that. But I think, in terms of me being able to visit, that would have been like nightmare. (laughs) She
1: would not have respected that those boundaries. I don't care.
2: Be like I care because if I get you sick, you're going to die. You're going to die. So there was that. But I think me being in the hospital with surgery and, and all that, I think she, she just would have been a mess. I don't mm-hmm. think she would have handled it particularly, particularly well. And I know that would have come from a place of, of love, but I, I don't know if she... My mom was extremely strong until she wasn't. Like, she, she could hold a lot, but when she broke, she would break pretty hard. And I think this would have, would have been difficult for her. So in a way, I was grateful that she didn't have to go through that.
1: Did you, like, talk
2: to her when you were in the hospital? Did you,
1: you know, like, pray or ask her for her healing power, you know, trying to get spiritual with your mom?
2: I, I, I didn't. I, I will say w- what I did have was her sister, my aunt, came to, to visit. Yeah. And I think in a way that was a good substitute. I hate saying substitute because that sounds like, I don't know, it sounds shitty. But, you know, like, it was like a surrogate mom thing. So she, she really stepped up and kind of filled that role. It's funny, you talk about the spiritual part of it. I was at Resurrection Hospital, Catholic Hospital, but the chapel was closed to people. So on the TV, there was a station of just a camera in the chapel with a live feed of the chapel so you could pray. It was really creepy. It was really bizarre. It was super bizarre. On the way here, we
1: drove by your your elementary school that mm-hmm. was a catholic school mm-hmm. on the
2: way here yeah yeah. Saint Isidore. yeah yeah
1: and your mom was raised catholic but mm-hmm. you weren't
2: yeah i was raised catholic but I, I would say i'm a recovering catholic more than anything at this point
1: yeah <laughs> what's your mom like when you were in high school do you remember her as a parent in mm-hmm. these these days when you were in this classroom
2: she was working at pfizer at, at this point she'd recently switched jobs and started at Pfizer. So she was really into that. She was a lot of fun when I was in high school. I feel like my senior year was the year that we kind of butted heads a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was that like, you're going to be leaving soon. Yeah. But I remember we had a lot of, a lot of fun, like freshman, sophomore year. Like I had friends, but I still had my mom. I, my mom very much, I, looking back now with that objective lens, I realized, like, she really wanted a f- friend more than a daughter. That was cool for a while, but I think, you know, in high school, you then want to make your own friends and, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, people your own age. So... So she didn't have boundaries? Is that what you mean? I think so. I mean, there were some things that she, there were things that I I wish she hadn't said to me. Like my, my relationship with my dad is extraordinarily strained. He's not a good dad. But I remember when they were getting a divorce, she would just say things about my dad. And like, it was like, maybe I shouldn't have known that, you know, even though I'm not close with him. I don't know how much more she might have contributed to that relationship being strained because she was kind of jealous. She was a jealous person. It feels weird to say that about your own mother, but, you know, like, (laughs) this is horrible. But when she passed, we were pulling photos for her memorial, and I was going through photos of of my wedding day and seeing, like, we had people come over to her house to get the makeup done, and we had food and all the things, and, like, and not and looking at those candid photos of like me interacting with my future mother-in-law or bridesmaids and my mom off to the side just kind of looking slightly pissed Mm -hmm. that the attention was somewhere else i was like and and i realized i think i had a little of that in me for a long time but i've gotten therapy and and worked past that so Yeah, I think she wanted me all to herself a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Just you. Yeah. 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 Only child. Yeah. Yeah, same as we know. Yeah. Because we talked about how, like, in so many ways, your mom was a superhero to so many people, and you think your mom is a superhero and that they're not a human being who's who's complex. And so, you know,
1: yeah, when she died, all these random people reach out to me like, I loved your mom. She was an amazing teacher. I saw the obituary. Yeah. You know, I nominated her for this, you know, Illinois math and science award. I'm the, all these people reaching out. And I'm like, she is amazing. I'm so and so thank you for reminding me. And thank you for loving my mom. But if they knew that I didn't call her back sometimes or was mean to her, they'd probably be like, how could you? She was so incredible. And you're like, but you knew her as a teacher. You didn't. You didn't know her as her, as my mom. So it is tricky. But then I feel guilty. Like, was I the bad one? Am I the one that didn't work hard enough? And it spirals. But yeah. What else is coming up for you? Hmm. Being here, walking through the auditorium. You did theater. You did the sound design. Mm-hmm. You did tech. Mm-hmm. Just didn't know if any memories with your mom. Being here, sitting in the seats.
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like I feel like my my. My life at school was so separate from my life at home yeah. with her. I mean, she came to see the plays that I was in and worked on and stuff. She you saying that she were on the stage instead of behind? No, because, I mean, she was, she was fully supportive when I was on stage versus okay. off stage. But my senior year, we did Noises Off here, and, which I wasn't in. Mm-hmm. I was bummed about that. But I did makeup, and, and we had to turn the set around. It was this whole thing. But she, like, she was always like, "I love noises off so much." I'm like, "Yeah," but I wasn't in that one. <laughs> right, that's the one what she What
1: Was that I was yeah. in Mother?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. You're like, come on. <laughs> right, come on. I mean, I'm glad that she appreciated theater for you yeah. know the greater sense of theater. She you in things in Chicago as you went on yeah. to do your career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there's some things since she's passed that I'm like, I wish she had been around for that. Uh-huh. Yeah, my mom
1: couldn't see me in shows since like 2008 on because yeah. she couldn't really walk or you know she couldn't come into the city so she mm-hmm. didn't see a lot of the my my last work the last 10 years mm-hmm.
2: did she ask about it a lot though oh, yeah. she
1: kept all the programs yeah i would give her a program and When she died, I found all the programs and notes and, like, reviews that she had pulled from the Internet or papers. They were all in, like, a drawer. Not every show I did, Mm -hmm. but she kept, yeah. So, again, that's when I go, I'm a horrible person. My mom kept these beautiful things of me. Here I am (laughs) trying to talk trash about her on a podcast. No, I'm trying to, she's a full woman. And I'm trying to come to terms with how I treated her, right? As you know, my show is about me, really. It's about my journey. It's not even about her. It's not even about her. But, right, but, like, yeah. She was supportive, but but she couldn't she couldn't fully support me in everything I did. Yeah. And your mom tried too. Yeah. It's like she tried. Yeah, she tried. Did she like Chris? I was going to ask you this. She
2: did like Chris. Oh, okay. Well, and it, it, it's funny because I'm an only child, so like I think Chris became the son. Yeah. She never had, yeah. and like you know, we'd both be in the same show, and she'd be like, "Oh, Chris was so great," and I'd be like, "Again, mother." Yeah. <laughs> You remember me off to the side I remember my wedding recently my grandma was saw
1: was at the wedding on the nursing home and my grandma kept talking about how great Jonathan looked I was like (laughs) you know I was like can I get a little something yeah no she just loved Jonathan's suit and I was like can we I was in a dress yeah but I guess on my mom's wedding my grandma said to my mom this is true Everybody kept saying I looked like the bride because my grandma looked so beautiful. So that's a whole thing to unpack about my grandma telling my mom I looked incredible. They thought I was the bride. A lot of people thought I was getting married. And And I said to my grandma, you told that to my mom? She's like, yeah, I told it to her later. I was like, you didn't say it on her wedding day, I hope. She was like, no, no. She knew I looked beautiful. It's a very
2: competitive relationship. Anyway, I was like, whoa. I actually... Like, talking about your mom and, like, yeah. her relationship with her body and all those right, things. Yeah. Like, there's, a, there's one thing that, like, another memory I have of her in this room. It was towards the end of class. And I don't know why we were working with stethoscopes. Mm. But she put hers in and the rubber tip for the ear wasn't, it had fallen off and mm. she didn't know. And she put it in and I think she ruptured her eardrum. Your mom... I know that that's incredibly painful. She was like, ow, that hurts. Okay, well, I'm going to go to urgent care. Yep. She was, like, just yep. super yep. calm about yep. it, and I just find it, like, so I know your mom's tolerance and, like, yep. understanding of the body was, like, high. So when it got really bad, yeah. it got
1: really bad. So it was like she could handle a lot yeah. and, or could ignore a lot until she couldn't, right? Yeah. It was like, whew, you've got crippling pain yeah. all over your body. Yeah, that's sad, yeah. but she could handle a lot. She used to like break her leg or like she wanted to walk, she would want to like walk herself to the yeah hospital once and then during a surgery she asked to, she was only under like twilight, so she asked to watch the procedure oh, on her knee. Wow. Like, of course she did, course she, did. she freak.
2: That's cool.
1: That's cool. She's cool, yeah. but, yeah, she had a high. That's really true. It's interesting to think, too, if we dissect what Deb said. Like, Deb talked about her beauty, like, six times sitting here, mm-hmm. which is also part of my mom's trauma, like, yeah. staying beautiful, staying healthy, mm-hmm. staying thin, and then when she couldn't stay the mm-hmm. way she wanted to look and how she, sick she got. It's just, like, it's interesting because that's how my mom, that's beautiful. That's how she remembers her, but that's also mm-hmm. – a point of contention for my mom, right? You know, but even though I'm sure if my mom was here, she'd be like, That's right, that's right, you know, think, say it louder, right? But that's part of her, I think, her comparativeness. Yeah. The comparative, I
2: think my, my mom went through this similar thing. And in fact, like I pulled some photos and I purposely yeah. pulled photos. Show me, oh, yeah, I have to get up. I pulled a lot of photos of when she was younger because that's the way she would want to. Be remembered, yeah. you know, because like right, she doesn't right. She was on so much prednisone right, right, for right fibrosis that she put on a lot of weight. Um, she had had uh, thyroid issues, so when she was treated for that, her eyeballs swelled. You know, like Barbara Bush had the same issue. So yeah, there's there's that vanity thing, and you know, even after I had the surgery and I lost so much weight, like I looked skeletal and awful. Um, <laughs> This is her bowl. <laughs> I told you she bowled a lot. So oh I brought some of her Yeah, right?
1: This is her bowling. It's yeah. a championship. What is this? What does this stand for? Uh, women's something bowling. I don't know. Bowling champions. It's her mom with two bowling balls. Now they are placed, they're on a place on a table <laughs> in front of her, but they are placed they are. where the boobies would go. Right. And then there's two hats, yeah. cowboy hats, sort yeah. of like on either side. I don't know where that one was. 1989. I thought I'd end our little conversation asking me to tell me your mom's name, mm-hmm. as we do, mm-hmm. and how you're feeling about her right now, today, in this moment, sitting in your old biology classroom.
2: My mom's name was Priscilla Harbut. Her maiden name was Filipowski. I'm sitting here. I miss her today. And I f- I'm feeling a little more like I said, you know, there's that that objective lens now that she's not here to look at our relationship, but I I feel a little more at peace with her, and I know she did the best that she could with what she had.
1: And this is a poem that was written to my mom called Mrs. Joe Black six slash seven. So I don't know if that was a a classroom or a class number. But it was Mrs. Joe Black, 6-7, slash and a Cat Named Boo. And it's from the late 70s. I think 78? And it was written by Billy Corgan of the Smashing Pumpkins, who was a student of my mom's. So I will read it, because my mom has clearly kept this. I think <laughs> she wants me to sell this on eBay. I'm not sure. But it's Mrs. Joe Black, 6-7, and a Cat Named Boo. A lady who sat behind a lab table, who will often be referred to in this fable, managed a strange troupe a particular group. They met in, in an autumn day, the lady instructing her ways to many confused and helpless teens. They hit it right off, knowledge they sought in that wonder of room 215. Through fruit flies and shattered test tubes, through benedicts and agar cubes, through digestion we all had a gas, through genetics a few of us passed, with an alien from space, a, so- a sock of tall stature, they studied the human race with that lady of mere, Mrs. Joe Black. A guy named Louie, a girl who knew Kung fu some girls who went moo, and then there was Lane, Phil, Pam, Pam, Fred, Ed, Lynn, Noel, Himmy, Tracy, Lori, and Billy, too. It's been neat. It's been fun. We'll never be beat. Six slash seven is number one. Love, the author, Billy. And my mom wrote in pencil to the left of his signature, "Billy Corgan, Smashing Pumpkins," and she circled Billy Corgan in pencil. And then a bunch of the students signed the piece of paper. She wrote the Billy Corgan, Smashing Pumpkins later, but clearly she kept this. And then she must have gone back in when he became famous and then
2: wrote that, I which know is what crazy. The six seven is tell me. It's period six seven because they overlapped in a weird way. Oh, so he was in, six, he was six seven, yeah.
1: This is incredible.
2: Thanks, Billy. Thanks, Joe Black. Do you want to walk? Yeah. Talk? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I don't know if it's every high school or school, but in this particular high school, they don't use textbooks anymore. Everything's online. And I get it. I get it. But I'm like, oh my gosh, how old am I that that felt so shocking to me? But it's true. So as we were walking around the room, we were looking at the beakers and looking at the drawers and opening doors and just reveling in how the room felt identical to how it felt in the 90s. And we came upon a section of books, which again felt like a relic. Books, textbooks. And we started picking them up and something crazy happened. Okay, they say there's no cl- there's no that no no kids use books anymore, right? Because everything's on their laptops. But look at are these. Who uses these then? These are like anatomy books, you know, of the frog. So maybe they just use these in the classroom. But this is yeah. okay. These are the old ones because my mom. Yeah, I remember these. So these are some of the old books because my mom kept her um, biology books. Yeah.
2: Maybe that was this the edition. One, maybe. Well, it says black on the side. (gasps) Oh my God. My mom
1: wrote on everything and she even wrote. Oh my God. I don't know if I. Oh, sorry. I'm having a moment. I'm having. Because my. So my mom. I didn't bring it today, but you remember how I kept her staple from the classroom? Like her stapler had her name on it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh Oh my gosh. Holy shit. This is probably her writing. Oh my God. (laughs) Because I was like, that looks like
2: her book. Oh, wow. I'm looking, I'm oh paging through this God. and I'm like, yeah, I remember this book. Humans,
1: deer, mm-hmm. science terms. Look at how big the, the print Kingdom is. Kingdom Monera. My mom really did write her name on everything. Staplers, pictures, plates, carving knives, even a rake on the handle. I found it in her garage after she died. It was written in black sharpie on the handle, her last name, Black. Don't steal her rake, people. I remember telling someone this and they said, oh, yeah, it's because she's a teacher. She wrote her name on things. That makes sense. So you know who to return it to. Once a teacher, always a teacher. When I was a young kid, she used to let me grade her students' papers with an answer key. I would use a red pen and sit at the dining room table and grade quizzes on fruit flies and chromosomes. I even got to put star and smiley sticker faces on the quizzes that got A minus and above. As a kid, I also used to play pretend classroom, like most kids might. I would make a mock classroom of teddy bears and dolls and imaginary people in my room. And I would hand out paper and quizzes to them and grade them. And we even went on field trips to collect leaves and branches outside. Remember. I was an only child. I never really wanted to be a real teacher, but I always thought somewhere in the back of my mind, would I be good at this? Could I be a teacher like my mom? Chromosomes are a thread-like structure of nucleic acids and protein found in the nucleus of most living cells, carrying genetic information in the form of genes. My mom taught for over 20 years And when she decided to retire or leave Glenbert North, it was a huge deal. Like, she didn't want to do it. And she said she did it because she didn't want to become a jaded teacher. But I think she really left because she wanted to spend more time with me before I left for college. I knew that she was about to lose a huge part of her identity and her purpose. And I was about to have a mom who was real focused on me, maybe too focused on me. And I'm sure I didn't appreciate it at the time that she was around and helping me and doing things for me and being great because I was too busy living my senior year life and focused on college, leaving her and my dad many states away in New York. So this episode is not about what comes next for my mom or for me because that journey gets a lot harder and it's not filled with as many shiny stickers. But my mom was always a teacher. Whether she retired or not, she was always a thinker, a lover of young kids, curious. I might not have become a teacher myself yet, but she did inspire so many other students to follow in her path. Like the teacher inside that classroom at Lombard North today. His name is Joe Larson, and he was a former student of my mom's. Yes, his name is Joe, and my mom's name was Joe. Yeah, yeah, you heard that right. So Joe and I never got to meet up as the school year was starting up again, and a formal interview just wasn't possible. But he wrote to me and said, Dana, I can tell you that your mom, Mrs. Black, was one of the best teachers I ever had in school, and she inspired me to be a science teacher. She was tough and demanding, and I never wanted to let her down. She made our honors biology class memorable and fun to walk into each day. She made us laugh all the time and not take ourselves too seriously, She was the reason education and being a science teacher was something I wanted to pursue, thanks to your mom. So I have had to record this quote a few times this morning because I just couldn't seem to get through it without crying. I'm not totally sure why. I think it's because someone who I don't know is telling me how amazing my mom was, how she inspired him, how she changed the trajectory of his life. And I am still grappling with anger towards her. And maybe, maybe I'm jealous of this former student-turned-teacher for getting this pure part of my mom, this inspiring and awesome part of my mom. He got the classroom teacher. I got a mom and some of her genetics, which I'm proud of. I also inherited a lot of those fabulous Donna Karen outfits. The beakers. Yeah?
2: She drank urine out of one of these beakers. (laughs) That's what it was. One of these. She drank. (laughs) That's what it was. That was what it was.
1: (laughs) Quick thanks to Glenbard North High School. Eric Johansson, Deb Cartwright, Joe Larson, Mandy Walsh, and Jesse D. Bartolomeo for her audio and tape support in the classroom. The second season of I Swear In My Mother's Grave podcast would never be possible without our editor, Amanda Roscoe Mayo, our music composer, Adam Ollendorf, our graphic designer and illustrator, Meredith Montgomery, and our copywriter, Rachel Claff. Thanks as well to Tony Howell and Austin Heller for all their work on the website and to Heather Bodie for her emotional, spiritual, social, and physical, well, for for all the help. Thank you. And to all of you, thank you for listening, subscribing, reaching out, and just being a part of this community. I'm so grateful you're here. And if you haven't signed up for our newsletter, you can do so at our website, which is danablack.org. You can hear all about this incredible season and some upcoming live events we're curating just for you. I hope you'll come back come back come back don't leave me like my dead mom you know what I mean come back